UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. Well, Andy, it's a week of change for the Michigan football program. First, it appears that Michigan has picked up a transfer recruit. I guess that's what you'd call it. Uh, it appears that Shea Patterson, after attending a basketball game and being wooed by the Michigan coaching staff, has decided to transfer here. There's a question of whether he will be immediately eligible, but that is what is expected. Apparently, Shea uh, is from Toledo. We won't hold that against him, and, and was a lifelong Michigan fan and considered coming to Michigan at some point. Um, you know, said that, that it was his dream to play in the big house. He eventually chose to go elsewhere, but now has seen the error of his ways. So, well, Andy, what do you think about Michigan uh, going after this or obtaining this high-level transfer quarterback and adding it to the stable of quarterbacks in rotation for next year? Well, they certainly wanted to get him right off the bat because they recruited him heavily. Uh, and he chose Ole Miss. I hope that none of the garbage that's been happening at Ole Miss is determined to be part of his uh, uh during the time he's at Michigan. I don't think it will. I think he'll be vetted very thoroughly by Jim Harbaugh. I think it's a good move. I think the quarterback position needs at least three suitable quarterbacks. You're down to your third one this year. It's another move on Harbaugh's part to increase the athletic ability of his players. This is a good move. We'll see if he can make it or he can't. Whether he makes it or not be up to him and how he does. I think he's going to have a stern test with Peters. I don't think Peters is going to roll over and I don't think McCaffrey is either. So you have three good players uh, at the quarterback position, and they sure needed three of them this year and didn't have them. You know, that's one of the questions is you hope that all the competition for the quarterback position will happen in camp and we won't be forced to go through the ranks the way we did this year. Exactly. You know, the, the thing that, that I think is... I'm, you know, with Patterson coming here, you know that, you know, Harbaugh has not made any promises. He's going to have to come in and compete. He's going to have to win the job. And I guess that's why I, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, again, you mentioned there are two good quarterbacks who are currently here. Not a lot of experience, so there's definitely the opportunity for Patterson to come in. Um, you know, I guess... What I think is kind of funny is to read in the media about how, you know, this is almost a, a desperate move by Harbaugh to bring in a quarterback because he's under pressure for next year. And next year, there's, yeah, I, next year, yeah, there's no excuses. It's do or, do or die. And I just, I, I kind of chuckle at that. Um, you know, it's, 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 our, it's some of our same friends in the media uh, the regular uh, culprits, you know, wanting to, to drum up a little more drama than I think is there. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I don't, I don't buy that idea either. 
I think he's doing the right thing. I think he's looking after his job and doing what he's supposed to be doing, Harbaugh. Uh, and there's a certain amount of jealousy out there. And everything that he does, somebody wants to find fault with. And a lot of what he has done has been sterling. Like the trip to Europe last year. That bonded his team, gave a great experience to student athletes that wouldn't have had that. And I was critical of that, too. I thought, hey, they're going to get in trouble over there, get arrested like the guys did in China. They're from UCLA. Uh, they stand out in a crowd. Somebody might attack them. None of that happened. It all went smooth. They had a great experience. And the University of Michigan football uh, program ought to be proud that they can provide that kind of experience for their student-athletes. thought that was good. Harbaugh draws flack because he's out there leading the charge in some one thing or another all the time. He's going to draw flack. Although this year I thought he was kind of subdued. I didn't think he was his usual self on the sidelines. He wasn't ranting and raving and throwing the fit. They had every call, and he didn't seem quite as happy with the way things were going this year as he has in prior years. And other writers, and I don't know whether this is true or not, have been writing that he was not as personally hands-on involved with the quarterback position as he had been in prior years. We'll see. I think he's going to take a big interest this year, no matter who they got as assistants there for the quarterbacks. What do you think? Well, not only do we have changes at the quarterback position, but, uh, you know, Coach came out and said that the team wasn't strong enough, and almost immediately dismissed Kevin Tolbert as a strength and conditioning coach. And what's interesting about that is Tolbert has been with Harbaugh at a couple different stops, and he was a, uh, I guess, a disciple of, of the old school Michigan uh, strength and conditioning. You know, he'd worked under Mike Gittleson. So it's interesting that, that somebody that Harbaugh had brought with him here um, you know, he, he had no hesitation at making a change that he thought needed to be done. Now, it's interesting because the strength and conditioning coach spent so much time with the players. I mean, you know, every player has to go through conditioning pretty much year-round, and that strength and conditioning position is really crucial. I mean, we've seen uh, in past regimes... Uh, you know, basically, you know, that position can, can take on the, the air of a cult of personality, depending on who's in it. Now, I wonder how much the lack of development of the offensive line played into this decision. You know, Harbaugh didn't go into details, but I think that, that that's a, a, an easy um, assumption to make. Um, I've also heard people cite the number of injuries the team had this year, that they basically weren't, um, you know, as prepared and as, as as able as they would like. Now, it's interesting because, Andy, we can go back, and we can go back to the Rich Rod era. And, uh, you know, Mike Barrowis was a great strength and conditioning coach, 
the team looked great, but it didn't translate to, to play on the field. So this is kind of a, you know, kind of a, a tricky position because I will tell you, in seeing the transformation of the players under Barwis, they looked great. They looked like they were all ready to go out and, and fight in the MMA. Uh, unfortunately, again, you know, you can be you can be conditioned very well, but if if you don't have the right combination of talent and skill uh, and, and coaching, uh, it's not going to mean much. So. It'll be interesting what Harbaugh does. Um, again, I think this is a, a, a key change. And, and one of the things to talk about here is, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, let's see, hysteria, hand-wringing in the media about how similar Harbaugh's record at this point is to hoax. And, and I think that one of the things you need to point out is, is that Harbaugh has never been shy uh, or has not been shy here of, you know, having coaches leave, replacing coaches, even coaches that were close to him. If, if it's somebody who, who hasn't been getting the job done or somebody who has embarrassed the program, he has made changes. And, and I think that that's a fundamental difference between what we saw when Hoke was here. Um, again, you know, Al Borges was, was retained for, for, for God knows what reason. Um, and you know there there were problems on the offensive line there. Um, I, I think the the real question is, have we seen all the large changes? And and, and I I would be surprised if, if we don't see a few more. After the bowl, it seems like you would, especially in light of the fact that the offensive line has been the the weak link in Michigan's chain of success in football. And they have they have been that for so many years now. It's been consecutive years. They haven't been the top part of that offense for a long, long time. And this has continued under Hubble and it seems to me that if they want to have any championships in their gun sites, they've got to they've got to do something about the offensive line. Somebody had a theory here that I heard lately that they had to spend so much time practicing to get the run game going, concentrate on that so much that they didn't have time to get the passing game going at an equivalent level. I don't know if that's true or not, but let's hope that this year they have some parity between the effectiveness. They can move the chains through the air or move the chains uh, on the ground whenever it's applicable, they can switch back and forth because success at one facet of the game, like running, helps you pass better, and passing better helps you run better. So the thing, um, the two things go hand in hand, and they better learn how to do both and do them well or they're never going to be a championship team. And I don't think that they can sustain a seven justification for seven million dollars or more in salary for a coach if he can't win any championships. So this is really a critical year for Coach Hardball coming up. And I'm not unhappy with him, and I don't think Michigan should change. It's just that he's got to, like we've been saying, secure that signature win. And uh, get a little notoriety for 
doing the right things on the field and not just off the field. Well, the thing that, uh, you know, talking about back to the coaching changes is, I mean, Pep Hamilton has been linked to a few possible openings. Um, but but the big thing for me is Drevno. And I, I will tell you that, that you know, this year um, he did not have an air of confidence about him. And, and again, that would be one of the, you know, if he ends up leaving for whatever reason, it will be one of uh, Harbaugh's closest guys, um, you know, moved on. Now, again, this is something that, you know, a criticism of, of Lloyd his last four or five years here is that he had a stable of guys who he relied on and pretty much uh, they weren't candidates to go anywhere and do anything else and, and he was extremely loyal to them and um, you know basically you know I think specifically of Jim Herman and it, it took a really bad couple years for, for him to, to, to move Jim Herman on but pretty much everybody else was was uh, pretty much locked and loaded you know there wasn't a lot of turnover there, there didn't seem to be a lot of competition you didn't have you know and that's one of the reasons there really wasn't a candidate report to replace him on staff um, you know we saw Rich Rod be incredible loyal to his coach as he brought in you know uh, the only guy he wasn't loyal to was whoever whatever poor sucker he brought in to manage the defense you know that was a you were on a trap door there um, and the same thing under Hoke. So, you know, I think the question here is, you know, are the staff changes done? I don't think that they are. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because if you look back to, you know, the other thing that came out this past week was, you know, former Wolverine Armani Toomer pretty much going off on Harbaugh. And yeah, but you know what the background of that is. He's... Um isn't he with the Giants? And he's got a big investment in the Giants. And there are open coaching spaces there. And apparently, in my opinion, he's supporting somebody else and didn't want any talk of Harbaugh coming there. So he's got a dog in the hunt there. I don't think he just set out to light in to the University of Michigan or be, be, or be disrespectful. To it, what he was trying to do is he's got a, an iron in the fire as far as that filling that coaching position uh, there in that professional team. So that that may be one of the jumping off points for Armani. There, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Well, here's the here's the point, though. You know, when he says that Harbaugh hasn't won anywhere, uh, well. You know, he took the 49ers to the to the Super Bowl, and uh, now listen, I, I have no way am I pushing Harbaugh to be, um, you know, I don't I don't want him to be to, to be a candidate to leave for the Giants, but to say that, I mean, again, he was you know, 44 19 and one with the 49ers. Look where the 49ers were before he came. Look where they are now, and to say that he hasn't won anywhere. Um, you know, that's kind of funny. And, and again, obviously he has a dog in the fight. 
Um, but again, it's just, you know, I thought it was, I, I, you know, again, I didn't like it. And I didn't. Neither did I. And, and I didn't think it was completely true. I mean, that's the thing. Whenever, whenever you look at criticism, there were more than a few facts that were correct. Um, and then you get to the well. He hasn't won anywhere. Well, okay, that's kind of an exaggeration. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, and I I'll tell you. I don't think Harbaugh won twice at that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it's any skin off Jim's nose. He's. He takes criticism and, and, and bats it away. So, you know, there's there's no doubt about that. But, again, I, I thought that was, uh, you know, not exactly a good look. Um, so I guess the last thing we need to talk about is, you know, the there's a lot of there's questions about if Mo Hurst is going to play in the ball game and Chase or if Chase Winovich is going to come back or go pro and and you know. My thing with with Hurst is this, you know, you can talk about if he owes the program to play in his last game. You know, really, I think one of the best things that a top player can do is to choose not to play in their final game, okay? Um, Really, the bowl game, if you're not in the college football playoff, the bowl game is a glorified practice for next year. And it's really in the team's best interests to, you know, to get the younger players as many reps as possible. I think the larger question is, you know, if, if you're a senior player who, who is not likely to go on to the next level, does the team owe you an opportunity to play in your last game? And I think they do, but... I don't. I don't see that Mo Hurst owes Michigan, um, you know, anything. I mean, I would hope that he would go to the practice, you know, go go on the trip. I would hope he would help coach some of his play, you know, some of the the underlings and some of the backups. But I I can completely understand why a guy who's projecting to be a top pick um, would not want to risk that. Now, the flip side of that is at some point. Somebody's going to be in the college football playoffs and going to make that same decision. So it's one thing for us to be okay with it. Um, at least I'm okay with it. I don't know if you are, but it's one thing for us to be okay with it when there's no, when there's really nothing on the line in this game other than practice for next year. But I think the outcry will come if somebody decides, well, I don't want to play in the college football playoff because I'm, I'm projecting as a top pick and I don't want to lose that. Um, what do you think about that, Andy? Well, that, that's a bridge I'd be happy to. I'd happy to be happy to have some of our players making that decision, having to make that decision. And I think when the stakes are that high, uh, that they're going to go. But in an ordinary bowl game, I can understand why Hurst might not do it. Look at Jake Buck last year. You have that beautiful example right in front of your very eyes. And, you know, it's easy to reach the same conclusion. Conclusion. I don't think anybody else on the team is doing that. But nobody else on that team, according to the awards recently given uh, at the bust, he's the MVP of Michigan football this year. And he certainly earned that and was head and shoulders above the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the players on that team. He contributed more to that defense than any other one player, in my opinion. So I think he's earned what he's got. 
and he earns the right to, in what is an ordinary game, you say just training for next year, which is what this bowl is, uh, he has every right, in my opinion, to go ahead and, and do either way. It's up to him. I agree. I think the only thing that I would hope is that even if they don't announce it to us, that that decision is made fairly early in the practice so that they can prepare to get, uh, you know, to get the next players in. Um, You know, we had the thing last year where, um, you know, Jabril ended up not playing, you know, and, and allegedly was was you know hurt in one of the final practices. Well, you know if that's the case, then that's unfortunate. But if it's not the case, if he had made the decision, make the decision early, go with it. I don't care if they announce it or not. Um, just make the decision so the players can be prepared. And and again, at this point, you know uh, the season's been such a disappointment. It would be great to end on a win, but it really doesn't matter. What matters right now is I think we're on the clock for next season. Well, certainly everything starts to be aimed for the next season in, in one of these bowl games. No championship other than the championship of that particular Outback Bowl rides on this. So the, the greater... The greater goals aren't there anymore, and the greater goals are there for next season, so everything they do from this point on has to be directed toward getting better next year. Part of that is finding out how good the players are that they're going to use in this next 15 practices or whatever is allocated to a bowl team. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.